Well, praise the Lord today. It's just such a spirit of faith and victory here today. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, of course, we preach the way we preach, whether there's a spirit of victory in the building or not. But it's nice when it's there, isn't it? (laughs) It's always here, really. It just seems stronger today. I'm stirred up. Pastor Scarlett was about ready to preach. I offered her the pulpit today, and she rejected it. So I, you're left with the B team. Praise the Lord. Um, um, we're going to uh, preach today uh, on the subject of bulldog faith. Anybody here ever owned a bulldog or had a much uh, 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 interaction with one? We have one now in our life, um, and um, they all have the same, some of the same personality traits. And you know, you you you've heard that term about a person, you know, having bulldog tenacity or something like that. Well, there's a reason for it because they're stubborn. Not only are they stubborn, but once they decide to chomp down on something. Uh, especially uh, dogs like pit bulls, uh, or another name, a nicer name for that is the American bulldog. But uh, those, the, the English bulldog too. I've had all varieties of these: Boston Terriers, English bulldog. I've never had a pit bull, but I have a Frenchie now. Oh God, who thinks she runs me? Scarlet thinks she runs me too. But these dogs, and I learned that as a child, I had five Boston Terriers in a row. Uh, you know, they'd, they'd die or something would happen to one of them, you know, anyway, that throughout my childhood into adulthood and into married life, uh, I just kept choosing the same dog with the same markings and named it the same name. So it, it's a little, it's a little sick, I know, but, uh, I, I didn't have access to counseling then, so <laughs> what is wrong with this picture, you know? So I guess in my mind, I wasn't letting go. I was just replacing the dog with the, uh, another one, you know, something like that. But one thing I discovered about bulldogs, um, and I'm using it as my illustration because I think it's a great illustration uh, about bulldog faith. Is the way that that Boston Terrier, I remember, I remember the one that I had, I think it was the second version, a second edition of my bulldog. We were, we had moved into the parsonage in Augusta, Georgia, where my dad, uh, was, uh, appointed to go pastor. And, uh, that, that dog, uh, you know, you could, he, the dog would play with you till you drop dead, forget the dog, you know, I mean, you, you just pass out from playing with this dog. He would never quit. And, uh, was a great dog for a boy, you know, 10, 12 years old. And, um, so I'd get home from school. The first thing I'd do is head out to that, the backyard, fenced in backyard and play with my dog. Well, this dog, you know, you, you, um, anything you threw at him or whatever, he owned it after that. You would never get it back. He was horrible at playing fetch. Because he thought, you threw that at my face, it's now mine, you will never get it. So he had this little pile of balls and bones and and everything in the corner of the backyard. 
that you could never get to it. He would guard it, and that's mine. So uh, he was fun to a point, but not as much fun as a normal dog that would play fetch. He's not giving up anything. So I started noticing something. I remember this when I started preaching about the quality of this animal, you know, what, like how he thought is that this is, this is mine and it will always be mine. He held on for dear life. Well, one day I went out there and I had this little, you know, like, uh, basically like a kitchen towel or something. And I decided I had learned the joys of snapping a towel at somebody <laughs> as a young man. Has anybody ever had somebody snap a towel? So I learned how to wind it up, you know, curl it up and snap it. Well, I snapped it at this bulldog and, uh, he got a hold of the end of that towel and would not let go. I mean, I'm trying to get him to let go of this towel and, uh, he would not let go and I, and I'm pulling and I, and I kind of jerked it and he goes up in the air and I thought, I wonder if I could like do a helicopter maneuver. <laughs> with this dog at the other end. So I get the, the end of the towel and I start twirling like this, you know, and the dog is, you know, four feet off, three feet off the ground and is in the air holding on, breathing out of, they don't have a nose, just nostrils, you know, no nose, just, just two holes. And uh, that dog is ho- hanging on. Well, did you know, we finally moved from that church to another church in the Atlanta area. My dad was uh, appointed at another one. We moved there, and that towel was, I mean, it was dirty, but it was in the yard. You never could get it from the dog. I'd go out there. Mother would say, well, go get that towel and put it in the trash, or let's wash it or something. It looks terrible. And I'd go out there and try to sneak. The minute I went to his little corner of his pile, he would get that rag and look at me like, you will never get this. You've heard people say, you can take my gun when you can pry it out of my cold, dead fingers, you know. It's that kind of, it was like, you can get this towel when you pry it out of my cold, dead mouth because I am never letting go of this towel. Well, that's our illustration, our image today of bulldog faith. And we call it faith, uh, and it is faith, but it's also tenacity. And uh, there's a tenacity side of faith. That's what I want to preach today. Of hanging on to what has been given to you. Hanging on to the blessings of God. Hanging on to salvation and healing and deliverance and, and uh, prosperity and direction and peace and all these good things from God, hanging on to it no matter what. And uh, so the definition, if you'd like to to write this down or whatever, the definition of um, tenacity is the quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly, never letting go. How many can see that's a part of faith? You say, well, I was. And, you know, it's real easy to get uh, what I call in my friend, uh, uh, Brother Suarez in Brazil, who is over this uh, group of churches that we preach for when we go overseas a lot now. 
he, he talked about this. He said, you know, there's a thing called excited faith. And the trouble with excited faith is it won't sustain you when, when it seems difficult, when it seems stubborn. Have you ever had something you're believing God for and it just seems like it won't budge? Seems like it won't move. You've claimed that. You've, <laughs> word of faith land, you know, we had them doing everything, you know, to stand on your head, to, you know, <laughs> run the aisle, jump for joy, uh, pray in tongues, pray in diverse kinds of tongues. Do I mean, interpret the tongue. I mean, you know, on and on to, to try to get something to move, you know, we call it uh, corresponding action with confession. Well, there's a truth there, a great truth. Praise God. But um, have you ever done everything you felt you could do um, to get something to, to, to cooperate with your what you're claiming and it just won't move? Anybody ever been there? It just won't move. It seems like the rock of Gibraltar. I mean, it will not move. It's like the mountain. But praise God, there's a side of faith that we hold on to the blessings and we hold on to the promises of God. They are yea and amen in Christ, which means it's finished. And uh, we don't let go no matter what. Now, I used to say to people, you know, that even had like a terminal diagnosis or something or an incurable diagnosis. I said, what have you got to lose to just throw yourself totally on the blessings of the word? What have you got to lose to throw yourself on the promises of God? In other words, in the natural, you're dying anyway. In the natural, you, you know, it's, it's not happening anyway. Or financially, what have you got to lose to, to praise the Lord, put your bills on the floor and stomp on them and dance on them and say, I'm standing on the promises of God. What have you got to lose? In other words, you, in the natural, it looks like you're going down the tubes anyway. Why not just, uh, just continue to stand? How about give God every chance possible to work with your faith, amen, and, 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 and to keep believing that this belongs to me. And a lot of Christians give up, and they give up with real religious concepts that sound good. But sounding good and being good are two different things. So a lot of people will become instant theologians, and they say, well, maybe it's just not God's will this time. You just never know, you know, blah, 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 blah. you know, and it's like, why go there? How is that comforting at all? It doesn't comfort me. It makes me feel like, well, if God, if God's against me, who can be for me? <laughs> right? I mean, you, you gotta be kidding me. You mean I'm, I'm claiming God's word and promises and he's saying it's not my will. Well, he needs to decide what he's what he's saying here, because the will of God is found in the word, not in situations, not in circumstances, not in what's happening in the natural realm. Preach. So we're going to look at some examples here in the word of some bulldog tenacity. And we're going to look at some other other definitions here. I hope this is encouraging you. Never, never quit. That was uh, that was uh, Winston Churchill's. 
you know, he was, uh, after World War II, he was the uh, commencement speaker at uh, Princeton University. Uh, in New, that's in New Jersey. And uh, he was the, the speaker. And he got up in his robe and everything, you know, for the big commencement of Princeton University and graduation and commencement and all that. And he got up and he said, never, never, <laughs> you know, he was kind of a bulldog, never, and everybody's waiting, quit. And then he turned around and walked off. That was his whole speech. <laughs> That's pretty good. That beats some stuff I've heard. That, that'll preach right there. Just never quit. Stand on the promises. Stand on, uh, Paul said, uh, by faith we, in this grace in which we stand. Amen. Stand on grace. Stand on the finished work of Christ. Stand on what's already happened. Stand on the past tense of God's word. Stand on the fact that he's made us to be victorious. We're not going to get the victory when we overcome all these things. We already have it. We're standing. There's an illustration of a, back in the day, I think this was from John Lake's writing, but there was an illustration of a, of a man, um, it might have been Lake. Uh, uh, if it wasn't, it was one of the early South African evangelists, you know, that back in the days of building the transcontinental uh, railroads across there. And there was a real problem in some of the camps. There's movies made about this. There's a real problem in some of the camps with lion attacks, like the lions were coming in and dragging workers out of their tents and, and eating them alive. And it was just a real serious problem so one day this man uh with this preacher uh it might have been lake but it was at lake's time at least he was preaching um the gospel in one of these uh you know like uh what would you call it work camp where they're working on the railroad and the workers and he's he's got an evangelistic meeting going and he's preaching and a lion one of these big lions jumps out to attack the preacher and during the message so a um a hunter with like a an elephant gun <laughs> basically shot the lion in midair very dramatic here comes the lion rah, roaring and he shoots the lion and the lion falls dead and this preacher gets on top of the lion and finishes his message and that's how we need to see the circumstances of life that come at us, like the devil comes about as a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. And you just say, you may not devour me. And I'll shoot you midair and stand on top of you as a testimony. Glory to God. Well, Brother Hagin said, we're going to get to these scriptures here in a minute. Brother Hagin said that, you know, he was believing God out there on the evangelistic field. The evangelistic field has never been a picnic, let me tell you. But it was especially hard in the late 40s and early 50s. And he was out there on the road. And, you know, his wife has written him a letter and said, 
you know, the bill collectors are at the door and there's not enough. And, you know, what are we going to do? And his budget doubled in one week from what he thought he, you know, he got paid at some church and then just found out he needed twice that much. And, you know, all the, all the way home, he said the tires are singing to him in quartet. First, it starts off the front left and then the front right, you know, soprano, alto, and then the back tire, tenor, and finally the back right bass quartet, four-part harmony singing to him. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? And he said he just shouted out loud, I'm going to act like the Bible's so. Well, then the thoughts, he's still driving down the road trying to get home from the last meeting to Dallas. He says the thought was, well, what if it, what if what you're claiming doesn't come in? Like, what if what you're saying doesn't happen? What if, what if? And he said, well, I'll just, uh, he finally, he got so mad at that. He pulled over on the side of the road and he got out of the car and stood out there <laughs> in the darkness, the side of the road. And he, and he shouted out, um, he said, what if it doesn't happen? He says, well, what if it doesn't? Like, cause he, he was behind on his rent, you know. He says, well, what if it doesn't happen? He said, well, what if it doesn't? The Lord will just have to give me a better house. Well, he said the devil shut up after that because he didn't want no preacher to have a better house. (laughs) But I love that. Because if you you let that what if, what if, what if you let the what ifs get you, It'll eat you up. All your faith will be eaten up and gone. Amen. So, not amen. That's not it. But, (laughs) Lord, let it be. But no, we don't want our, uh, we don't want our faith to get eaten up uh, uh, by fear and doubt and unbelief and what could go wrong. Well, what could go wrong? What could go wrong is nuclear holocaust. I mean, uh, uh, Armageddon. I mean, good Lord. If you let your brain go in this day and time as to what could go wrong. All right. You got your Bibles? Bring that instead of Book of Mormon. I say that because you have a motel you stay in. Used to have just the Bible. Then they added Book of Mormon. Now they have the Marriott story. You know, anyway. <laughs> Ephesians 6. Now, you know, we've been reading Ephesians 6 a lot here lately. And it's funny, this is one of those scriptures, uh, passages that you can preach nine different sermons from the same scripture. Uh, but this, this works really well here for our theme today on Bulldog Faith. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. Remember, we're going to be strong in the Lord, not in just, well, you're a tough old bird. You can handle it. No, that can fall apart, you know, with one bad report. Um, so we're going to be strong, not in ourselves or, you know, or our, we're from a good, strong German family. We know how to whatever. No, that's not going to help you. When the crisis of life comes, you're going to have to have something outside of you. You're going to have to have something bigger than you. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in his might. Make sure we're doing everything in him. 
Um, and then, of course, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, you take unto you one or two pieces of the armor of God. Is that what it says? The whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having all, done all to stand, stand therefore. Now that's where I like to, to start our foundation verse today. Having done all to stand, stand. Now, if you keep reading, you're going to end up in David Horton's amazing book, A Deep Settled Peace. If you're watching on the Internet, you can order it. I'm going to be like Lester Summerall, have the book sold up and down the aisle during the sermon. The Church of God, we used to do that with convention songbooks, you know, during camp meeting. We're singing from this songbook, and if you don't know the words, you have to buy the book. It's great marketing. <laughs> Pressure. Um, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And he's, and he's talking about all the pieces. And this is from this peace book that I think is wonderful. But it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that has more to do with standing than any other part of this. Because remember what would happen, and this is illustrated in the book, uh, the, 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 this, is, this is a picture being painted here with words. This is a picture of a, basically a Roman centurion. And that would have been the most modern-looking soldier, the cutting-edge warfare of the day in the world, in the whole world. And so nothing could, could uh, overcome the Roman army. And so... It says that those sandals that they had you know, were very thick uh, leather, and then they laced up. You've seen that, right? Uh, all the way up, all the way up to the knee, and laced very, very tightly, so their sandal and leggings and all stay together. And um, they're standing there, and then it says that as they're lined up across the front line of that. Uh, fighting force, another soldier would come with stakes about 18 inches long and pound those stakes through the shoe into the ground where they're where they they can't move. <laughs> it's in other words, you're going to stand here and fight to the finish. And then and then I guess if those guys fall, then the, so the next line has the same thing. So the Romans. The Roman government made sure there were no deserters <laughs> because you're literally nailed to the ground. Well, that sounds frightening to us. But um, if you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, it tells you that God has sent us out on that front line of life. Remember, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This isn't a real, this isn't a military operation. This isn't a Christian militia that's getting put together eating end-time food in the basement. This is a spiritual uh, look. This is a, 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 a spiritual illustration. So here is the 
the person having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace. So peace is a, is a, is a weapon. Peace is a weapon against the enemy. If he can get you out of peace and into fear, uh, he's pretty well got you where he wants you. You're already whipped. You're already defeated. Just waiting for the end to come. It's like a death sentence. But praise God, we've got, we're standing. Think about that. I just still am so excited about that. I need to talk about my books more, but, and, and Scarlett's books. But, you know, I'm just standing. I'm standing on peace. And that's my, in other words, peace is my foundation for all this warfare. I've seen quote unquote warfare charismatics that they, 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 they were running around like a chicken with their head cut off. You could see the nervousness about them, you know, uh, uh, freaking out. Let's join hands and believe. You know, they're, their jaws are shaking like Richard Nixon only dreamed of. And uh, <laughs> I did not commit any crimes. But anyway, <laughs> um, like I said, I, I found that in preaching, uh, using the Nixon illustration, that the older I get, the easier that is to do. <laughs> And uh, I said, my fear is that one day, you know, it'll start like a, you know, perpetual motion and it can't, you can't stop until it finally flies and puts somebody's eye out, you know. <laughs> they have tape that you can use. Anyway, um, here I am standing on peace. We think of warfare as this big, loud, bloody, you know, demonstrative thing, and yet here we're starting our foundation on peace. Well, peace is kind of, you know, you think about peace is kind of an arrogant position in a way. Not, not arrogant in the, in, in a, in a negative sense, but, but it's a, maybe arrogance, not the right word, but confidence. A confidence in peace. Amen. That, hey, we're almost smug. Hey, we're cool. We're, we're in peace. This is peacetime. And then, and, and the, and the warfare movement was, you know, they, I'd go to these churches and they're singing warfare songs. They literally had warfare songs and they're singing them. And for an hour and 45 minutes, you know, I'm already at the cafeteria in my brain. I've had it and they're singing and, they're pointing to the ceiling and, uh, you know, the powers of darkness and naming the demon over the town and, uh, you know, and, and I, I used to say, well, no wonder they're, no wonder they don't have any victory. First of all, if you're going to talk to the devil, look at the floor. Don't look at the ceiling. He's not above us. He's under our feet. Talk to the floor. Point to the floor, not a, well, the demon over the city. Don't confess you've got a demon over the city. There's not a demon over the city. Jesus is Lord. I declare Jesus is Lord over Holiday, Florida. Jesus is Lord over Newport Ritchie and, and, uh, Tarpon Springs and, 
Trinity and Elfers and all these little communities around. I say Jesus is Lord over Tampa Bay and over Florida. Praise God. Not, well, we gotta identify the demon. Well, I won't, I won't help you identify the demon because I won't admit there's a demon in charge. When did the de- when did Jesus fall off the throne and the devil's in charge? The whole premise is goofy. And then they're shaking pom-poms and streamers. You know, it's like, you know, you're going, it's like a person tells the devil, I have a streamer and I know how to use it. I'm deadly with my streamer shaking it at the devil. This is nutty, goofball stuff, man. I was at a meeting one time, I'm preaching, and this woman's got pom-poms, like a, you know, like a cheerleader. She's brought them to the meeting. She shakes her pom-poms, you know, at the devil. And uh, this guy's preaching, and, and she's sitting like right next to, to us or behind us, and Every time a point's made, she's got them pom-poms out there. Ah! You know, and I, 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 I turned to my wife and I said, if she shakes that pom-pom at me while I'm preaching, I'm going to grab it and throw it in the baptistry. Well, she must have heard me say that because when I got to preach, she put the pom-poms under her chair. She's protecting the pom-poms no matter what. This is part of warfare. You see pom-poms here in Ephesians. Streamers and banners. Ridiculous. Anyway, here we are. Having Isn't it interesting that having done all to stand, stand therefore, but how are we going to do that? Because our feet are nailed to the foundation of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace does not sound like this. God's really ticked at you and he's ready to pour out his wrath and you have like five seconds to make it right. I've been in those meetings. Ruby can identify with that. And everybody's in fear. The gospel of peace does not include fear. We beseech you as though we're Christ's ambassadors be reconciled to God. Amen. Woo! So we have the gospel of peace, and that's our that's uh, that's what our feet are shod with, nailed to the floor. <laughs> and we take all these other pieces of armor, and we fight um, against the powers of darkness. Amen. And uh, so there's a tenacity there of I'm not backing up. I'm not giving ground. You've come far enough. Here's the line in the sand. All right. So, uh, it tells you what all the, the, um, the, the benefits of that is. But I just wanted you to see that, that how that fits the, the tenacity. Having done all to stand, stand there for. Don't give up ground you've already taken. Now look at Matthew 15, and we'll we'll hurry along here now with some of these verses. I want you to really get this message. This would make a good mini book too. We could put the University of Georgia's mascot on the cover, 
They just elected a new one. Um, Matthew 15 um, and uh, tw- 21. This is to me an exa- a Bible example of what we're talking about, of this tenacity. Remember the quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly, not letting go. So Jesus went thence, departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of um, Canaan came out of the same coast, uh, cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Everybody that's ever raised a teenager knows this, knows this dilemma. It's a joke. Maybe not so funny. But he answered her not a word, and uh, his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Now, this is a big illustration, too, of having a covenant and not having a covenant. Here's a woman without a covenant who used her faith, and even without a covenant, still got the blessing of God. Amen. Uh, which proves, oh boy, can I say this without just upsetting the whole world? This proves you don't have to get people saved first to get to get them touched by God. Sometimes the compassion of God on their life is what will bring them to Christ. And so don't say, to, please don't ever say to somebody who says, would you pray for my healing? Well, first of all, are you a believer in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And, you know, and all this stuff, you know, and put pressure on them to, to join the choir and, you know, everything else before they even have a chance to experience the love of God. You need to say to them, of course, I'll pray for you. Because you don't, uh, you, well, they do have a covenant, they just don't know it. But, um, the, you know, people that we would say don't have a covenant, they don't have a relationship with the Lord. There's been all this pressure in years, especially in evangelical fundamental circles, to you've got to get them saved first, and then you've got to get them filled with the Spirit, and then you've got to get them, you know, give up their cigarettes or whatever else before God can touch them. And, and that's why we don't do too well with evangelism, I think. We're trying to change them first before they can even use their faith. But their faith is obviously right there on the edge of receiving from God if they ask for prayer or you offer prayer and they receive it. Amen. I've seen God heal sinners. The cigarette smoking, cussing kind. He's healed them and touched them. And I've seen tears in their eyes. And I've seen them get up and cuss while they made the testimony. And, of course, the prayer team has a heart attack usually on that, you know. And some of these Word of Faith churches, you know. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, you know. But it's like, come on, you know. It's just the way people talk. Um, there was a, I won't tell you the exact words that were said because it would upset people, but there was this preacher friend of mine from Canada who was holding a tent meeting in, uh, a really rough part of Detroit, and uh, that's about as rough as it gets, <laughs> and uh, holding a tent meeting about a week long, and this this gal came out and got saved. She's a motorcycle mama, kind of, you know. And she came out and got saved, felt the Holy Spirit, uh, got a healing or two, and she, she claimed deliverance from drugs, and, 
and all that. And God, and she was real enthusiastic. You know, you've seen people like that. She's getting people off the street to come in the meeting and just telling them this place is real and God will touch you and bless you. And she's excited. And so the uh, last night of the meeting, the evangelist said, anybody that's been touched by God, you'd like to testify. We're going to put it on a video. You know, line up over here and we'll hold a microphone and you can tell us what the Lord's done for you. Well, she was first up. I, 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 you know, she's excited. I'm the first one. I'm excited. So she runs up there and she says, I tell you, I was a sinner and I was a drug addict and I was terrible and a drug, drug dealer and everything. And God saved me and delivered me and healed me and I'm filling me with this Holy Ghost. And I'm just so excited. You know, she's just about ready to be a preacher, you know. And he says, well, is there anything else we can pray for you for? And she says, yes, my husband. He says, well, why should we pray for him? And she said, because he's a... And then she let out a string of every cuss word you could call something this long. And that's why we need prayer. I love that stuff, man. She hadn't been to how to talk like a Christian class yet. Don't you love that? <laughs> so the evangelist said, well, it sounds like he needs prayer. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it. Amen. So this woman's kind of like that. She doesn't have a covenant, but she's got faith. Praise God. Now, what can we do with covenant and faith? Got quiet on that. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, she crieth after us. It's about typical for people, you know, guarding a television evangelist. He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you don't have a covenant. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She was not giving up. Look at this bulldog tenacity. But he answered and said, It's not meat or cool or kosher or right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now he's called her a dog. She said, Truth. Can you imagine that now? You'd have Channel 2 works for you out there. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In other words, I don't care what you call me. I'm getting my blessing. I got to go home and live with this demon possessed daughter and, and I, and you don't, and I'm going to get deliverance now. I'm not giving up. Jesus answered and said unto her, Oh woman, she's been upgraded from a dog to a woman. Praise the Lord. Great is thy faith. See, great is thy faith. Be it unto you, even as thou wilt. He didn't even talk about God's will or his will. It wasn't his will. He wasn't even wanting to talk to her. Even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. There's a beautiful example of not giving up. Call me whatever you want to call me. But I'm going to be standing here claiming my need. Amen? A couple of more scriptures. Look at Hebrews 6.12. I'm about right on it on timing. It says that uh, you be not slothful, 
but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Well, to be in patience, you have to be in persistence too. You could say through faith and persistence. In other words, patience means not patience means like, okay, I'll just wait. I'll be patient. We, we, I think we've misused the word and, and weakened the word. Patience means I know what's coming to me. I know what, what belongs to me. And I am going to stand here through faith. So some people leave the, pa- the patience out. Like I said, uh, my friend, Brother Swatis, he said, the problem with a lot of people in healing services and all, they have an excited faith because of the singing, because of the preaching, because of the atmosphere. Their faith is excited and they're claiming they're healed of cancer or healed of whatever at that moment. But then next Tuesday comes and it's a doctor's report and the numbers aren't where they should be on the numbers. You know, they're always giving you numbers. The numbers aren't, they're too high or too low or whatever. And now where's my faith? Uh, I need the choir to reassemble. I need the, you know, I need the lighting experts to lower the, the lights. I need all kinds of atmosphere here to get where I felt like I felt in the healing service. But it's not, it's really not what happens in the healing service that's as important as what happens two days later, five days later, seven weeks later. Amen. And, and so patience means I know what belongs to me and I am patient and I'm walking this out on a daily basis and I'm fine to do it because all things are working together for my good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That's me and that's me. I'm loved, I, I love the Lord and I'm called according to his purpose. Amen. All right. So through faith, don't forget, it's not just faith, but faith and patience or faith and tenacity or faith and, uh, and, um, and, and, uh, persistence. Uh, let's look at one more scripture and then I'm going to give you, uh, some, uh, another definition. Uh, we're almost done here. Y'all getting anything out of this today? Don't give up on your dreams. You say, well, it looks more impossible now than it did six months ago or two years ago. So what? Looks can be deceiving. Luke 11, 5. Which of you shall have a friend and shall... Go to him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. In other words, it's late. I cannot rise and give you. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, in other words, just, just based on the friendship, but because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, now see, a lot of people have taken that, well, that's the example of prayer. It's what we do. We just, we just keep bombarding. But this is an example of just a natural result of importunity. I'm going to give you the definition in just a second. But now we have what God is like. God is not stubborn. God is not holding his arms and saying, 
well, let's just see how bad they really want this. That is not what the Scripture is saying. It is comparing that even in a natural setting, you can get a lot of things if you just keep pressing. But in faith, it's even easier. Because God's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. And this is this not ask, and then if that doesn't work, knock, seek, and if that doesn't work, knock. No, he's saying all of these will, will bring uh, the result that you're looking for. I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I got some doors I'm knocking on. How about you? To open those doors. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. Oh, King James. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Amen. So that's not an example. That those are those examples are more apparent, uh, more um, uh, opposites than together. Amen. In other words. Even if all you do is, is, is knock and make noise at your friend's house, they will eventually open the door and say, this is too late, but if you'll just go away and leave us alone, here's the bread. But in this case, we receive instantly. The minute we ask, we receive. The minute we seek, we find. The minute we knock, it's opened. Now, would you like a definition of the word uh, importunity? It means persistence especially to the point of annoyance. I really like that. Persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. My father said when he went to a recruiting office to sign up to go to World War II because he wanted to kill the Nazis. Uh, and so... He went and he was underweight to the point that they rejected him. He said, son, uh, my dad, my dad was 17 years old. He said, son, how much do you weigh? They just looked at him. My dad was five foot, uh, four and three quarters. He counted the three quarters. Five foot, four and three quarters and weighed 110 pounds. And they said, you have to weigh 120 to be in the army. So he ate everything he could eat, and he went back the next uh, week, and I'm back. I, I've eaten a lot this week, so let's weigh. Well, he hadn't gained 10 pounds. So he kept on. They finally, he I think he went four or five, six, seven times, I don't know, to the office, begging them to send, send him to Europe. So he finally got, <laughs> said he finally just, they said, if you will just get out of our sight, we will sign this and let you in. He said, that's all I've wanted the whole time. I'm sorry I bothered you, but I really want to be in this man's army, you know. So uh, the American army. So they sent him off to Europe. He said, I think the gun weighed more than him almost, you know, in his, his rucksack and all that, you know. But he he went out there and he did it and was in four major battles, you know, in World War II. But uh, what, an ama- what an amazing example in my family's life of persistence. Yeah. And uh, he was determined to have an education. And so he he had dropped out of high school to help 
on the family farm. And, you know, people made sacrifices in those days and still do. I understand that. But my dad, um, you know, he went off to war and came back and he had like two, two years. I think he dropped out in 10th grade, uh, and, uh, to go in the army. And he came back and he wanted an education so bad. He went to uh, at Lee University now, Lee, Lee College. They had a, they had a um, high school also there, mainly for missionary kids who, you know, their parents are overseas and they would, they could live on the campus and go to high school, like a boarding school. So my dad at 28 years old walked down the aisle to receive his high school diploma with, with all the 17 and 18 year olds. He's 10 years older. And he walked down and proudly took his high school diploma that he worked for. And then he was determined to get his bachelor's. And so while being a pastor and a state overseer, he graduated from an Ivy League college with his um, um, bachelor's degree. And he, he, he had to be in his 40s by then, you know. I mean, so it's never too late to see your see your dreams. That's a little different direction, but there's some truth to it, too. You know, because the devil will tell you you're too old. First, he tells you you're too young. And then he tells you you're too old. I mean, you're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too whatever. Now, you know, they tell us our skin color is wrong, you know, one side or another. It's just crazy. All You never qualify. You're never just the right person for the right job at the right time. And uh, that's just the negativity of this world. But praise God, you can be and do anything you want to be. And that means in Christ, too. Say, well, I'm just not very spiritual. Well, A, stop saying that. That's A, B, C, down to Z. Stop saying stuff like that. Well, I just don't get this tongues thing. Well, stop saying that. Maybe you'll get it. Just quit cursing yourself with what you don't have. Amen. Brother Hagin used to say, never talk about your lack. Never talk about what you don't have. Never talk about how broke we are, sick we are, ugly we are, or whatever. Just shut up. Talk about the blessings of God. Look, God's putting us over. Count, count every even small steps as great progress. At least you're not being pushed backwards. You know why? Because your feet are nailed to the ground. Amen. Get a little New Jersey accent going and tell you how the cow is to hide. Praise the Lord. That's how they that's how they shout your order in a diner in Newark. Uh, what, what would what did they say at the varsity in Atlanta? You ordered a hot dog and uh if you ordered if you ordered two hot dogs and a and a bag of uh of um French fries, they'd say, two naked dogs and a bag of rags. Short order, you know. Naked dogs means you you don't put chili on it. All right. I love this. Persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. Now, look, if you can do this from the natural, you could do it in the spiritual. Hi, Lord, it's me again. And uh, I just want you to know that today 
and let it be known in three realms, heaven, earth, and hell, and any entity that wants to hear, I'm standing on the promises today. I'm standing on victory. I'm standing on what Christ did for me. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I know it looks bad, smells bad, tastes bad, and sounds bad, but I'm standing on the promises. Whoa, glory to God. I've got the victory. Let heaven, earth, and hell know I'm a victorious person today. Shondai. Here's synonyms of importunity. Persistence, we've already said. Pressing and urging. I love the pressing. Pressing. Like the guy behind you in the plane in the aisle trying to get out and he's talking very loudly about, I've got to catch the next flight. You know, I finally turned around one guy and said, we all have to catch that flight. Where would you like me to go? And then they usually back off. Um, you better not pr- push Brother Jerry like that. He'll let you have it. <laughs> you don't mess with people from New York and New England. I'm telling you. You better back off. No run the car over your foot. <laughs> Ain't it so? <laughs> here's another <laughs> here's another example of uh importunity insistent solicitation and entreaty. Well, Brother Hagin said it this way, plead your case like a lawyer. You know, if a lawyer has a case he's defending you or defending somebody in a court of law, they'll, they'll plead your case. They'll, they, they, if they're good, they will cite all the things in the law, the written law that's on your side. Well, this is what Mr. Horton or Mrs. Smith or whoever, this is what is for them. And they will plead. They'll interrupt. They'll interrupt and interrupt and interrupt until the judge says, if you interrupt one more time, I'm throwing you all out. You know what? I mean, a a real good lawyer will plead the case, not just state the case, but plead it and almost beg. And they'll use language like, we pray the court. In other words, we, this is English, you know, uh, but we pray the court, we beg the court, we, we, we stand, you know, and, and, and I, and then they'll say, I rest my case. Whoa, I love that. I, you know, this is what I'm going to use for the Lord, <laughs> for my prayer today. <laughs> Some things in my life where I say, I'm going to say, I pray the court. Praise the Lord. I, or, or I rest my case. This is my case. I'm laying it out. Did you know Jesus went to the cross? He shed his blood. He died for me. He broke the curse of the law off of me. I'm not under the curse of condemnation. I'm not under the curse of sickness and disease and weakness. I'm not under the curse of poverty and lack and failure and, you know, having things taken away and losing things. I'm not under that curse. I'm under the blessing and 
I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Woo! Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, we're going to pray here for especially the internet uh, 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 part- participants in the service today. But I also want to, I'd like to receive a second offering and uh, encourage you to be a part of that if, um, if any way you can be. Praise the Lord. Uh, Scarlett and I are heading to Europe, and uh, I just felt impressed the last two or three days to to uh, receive a special offering for our mission trip, all right? So if you would like to be a part of that in some way, amen, um, if you, you just take an envelope, and if you want to... Um, you know, we can we can account for it either way. You can either make it out to Grace Harvest Church or uh, Horton Ministries, and uh, we can we can make all that happen. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to make it complicated in here today. So um, if you'll see, there's an envelope in front of you in the pew. We'll get the offering plates and receive that uh, in just a second. So if you're if you're online and you would like to uh, um, send a, a, an extra offering or special offering to help us go to the nations. Amen. Um, it would be a blessing. You can see there's ways to give. You can go to hortonministries.com. You can go, there's PayPal. We, uh, we have some people that's already giving through PayPal. And that shows up instantly uh, on our notifications. Uh, you can text to give. And, of course, you can always mail a check to P.O. Box 270-596, Tampa, Florida, 33688. All right. Praise the Lord. Um, so this offering is going to go towards some of our incidentals. Amen. And uh, some things are provided for and other things are not. So we just uh, I just felt led of the Lord. Amen. I'm not taking an offering for me personally. This is not so that I can go buy a new shirt. Uh, this is so that we can uh, carry the gospel. Amen. So if you'd like to be a part of that, amen. Uh, Jerry, why don't you come forward and I'll pray. And then online, if you'll want to participate, you can pray with us. Father, I thank you for every seed that's sown towards this trip. Lord, as, as Paul said, not that I desire a gift, but that fruit may abound to their account. Lord, I thank you that that fruit will abound, that those who give and participate will get credit, Lord, for every soul saved, every person filled, every person healed, every miracle and great event that takes place in all these foreign countries. It's an amazing trip, Lord, four nations that we will touch from this church and from this ministry reaching out from Tampa. Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, be blessed in your giving. Go ahead and receive that, Brother Jerry. And um, and as you do, I'm going to pray. If you have a, a need in your physical body, put your hand where you're suffering. Jesus will touch you there. And uh, we're going to uh, receive healing and deliverance today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. For every person that's watching, in Jesus' name, I take authority over all sickness and disease and lack and failure uh, physically. In the name of Jesus, I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors, 
in uh, rogue cells that are doing strange things to, to, to dry up and die in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for uh, any kind of nervous disorder, any kind of physical disorder of any system, a circulatory, digestive, um, adrenaline glands, anything that would, uh, thyroid problems, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your healing touch. Lord, those that are just suffering from exhaustion and um, discouragement, in Jesus' name, I speak to them. Thank you for touching them in their emotions, touching them in their, in their strength, and strengthening them, and realizing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you, Lord, for that. In the name of Jesus, those that are suffering from any kind of depression, mental illness, suicidal tendencies, anything like that, uh, negativity in Jesus' name, I command the devil to take his hands off of their minds, off of their hearts. In Jesus' name, be healed and whole today from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, those that are suffering from lack and uh, of finances or material goods, things they need, tools for their business, whatever, in Jesus' name, thank you for provision and showing yourself strong this week in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, and uh, you all that are in this church and you own your own business or you you have a, a, a an arrangement, you go in that place of business every day and you speak the word over that and you call it successful and you you call in the customers and and if you need equipment or whatever you you don't have to figure out how to finance it to buy it you can claim it by faith and God can send you what you need. In Jesus' name, I just felt like saying that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Scarlett, would you come and do our close, just a closing prayer for the service? And we love you all. God bless you. Keep us in your prayers. Amen. We um, have my parents had their own business, a motel on Panama City Beach, and they would, you know, they were tithers and givers. They would claim what David just said. They would claim this business is blessed, and yeah, and. Uh, claim uh customers you know to come and we would have people say they that they would drive by the motel and something they said something would just tell us to turn around and go back and stay there so it's interesting you know we didn't know if they were christians or not but it just something told us to come stay yeah. at your motel isn't that interesting right. so i'm telling you god can do things for your business amen and your employment so keep that in mind and keep the blessing flowing through your mouth, like Pastor David said. It's so important. Amen? Yep. Father, we thank you for this day. What a glorious day in Christ Jesus. What a blessing you are to us, Father, and how great you are in our lives. And we love you. We thank you that we're reminded the greater one is in us. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So I speak blessing over every person listening right now. And we thank you, Father, that you do show yourself strong on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.